So this is a unique morning uh, for a variety of reasons. This is a unique morning. Um, as Mike mentioned earlier, uh, we, we've got everybody in the gathering today. So here, if you're 10 years older or 10 years older, younger, um, you're in the gathering with us this morning. Everybody's in with us, all generations. If you're 10 years older, young, can you just say we're here? One, two, three. We're here. Can you say that in one, two, three? One, two, three. That's right. You're 10 year olds and younger. Okay. We're glad you're here. Thank you for being here. Usually you're off in some other places. Now, um, the other folks that are in the room with us this morning are our Jackson family. Jackson family, where are you? No, no, where are you? There we go. There's our Jackson family. Don't raise your hand. There we go. I'm going to hear you. Uh, it's great to have everyone this morning together. And um, this is a great opportunity because we also have our annual family congregational meeting this morning. It happens once a year, and we're doing that at lunch today. So excited about that. Um, it's a chance for us to really look back and to look ahead. And so to frame out what I'd like to share with you this morning, I want to frame it out by talking about a unique guy uh, named John, specifically John the Baptist. Okay, now, kids, if you're in the room, tell me, when I say John the Baptist, what comes to mind for you? Tell me about John the Baptist. What do you know about John the Baptist? What's that? He baptized people? That's right, Gwyneth. Thank you. What else? Who, you know, who specifically did he baptize? Jesus. John the Baptist Baptist baptized Jesus. That's awesome. What else do we know about John the Baptist? You in the white shirt. What's your name again? Isaac. Okay. Sorry. What do we What do we know about John the Baptist? He ate honey and locusts. That's right. He was kind of a wild man, right? You remember what he was, What kind of clothes did he wear? Never. No. No. Just the kids. Come on, adults. I know you know this, maybe. Kids, what did he wear? Oliver, what did he wear? Camel hair clothes? That's right. You're brilliant. Just like your dad. All right. And your mom. Really, she's the brains of the operation. So, um, so John the Baptist is kind of crazy. You think almost, I think, Seinfeld Kramer. Like, you know, like John the Baptist. He's a unique dude. But one of the unique th- I mean, look at this. We've got this slide here. It talks about it in Mark, Mark 1. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. But he, John the Baptist was this guy who was able to look back, and he was able to look forward. Okay, look at this next slide that we see about John the Baptist from Matthew chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. So see, look at what John the Baptist is doing. He's saying repent. In other words, he's looking back and saying, hey, we're going to turn from those ways of the past. We're going to turn. We're going to go a different direction. He's like, and this is where we're headed. He kept pointing ahead to one who was going to come. He says, prepare and make way for the Lord. Okay? Now, um... John the Baptist also, what else do we see here? We see uh, Mark chapter 1, we find this. Next slide. This was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. See, see, John the Baptist, as he was looking back, he was also looking forward. He was pointing to Jesus. He was always pointing to Jesus. And so this morning, as I want to frame it out. I want to come back to John the Baptist at the very end, okay? It's a little bit different message than normal, but I want to come back to John the Baptist at the end. Between that time, I want to actually take time as a family quick, and I want to look back and look forward as a family, because I am really encouraged about what God has done in our midst. Uh, so I want to start by looking back. 
Just last weekend here in West Bend, and then about a month ago in Jackson, we had our baptism gatherings, and we've seen 16 people baptized. It was story after story after story about Jesus and who he is and what he has done, from everyone who was from elementary school all the way up to those who went to school uphill both ways in the snow. Okay? The story after story of, of Jesus in their lives. God led us this past year to take an offering on Christmas Eve to help translate Scripture into languages that most of us never even knew existed. And in through, through His faithfulness and generosity, you brought together $54,000 on Christmas Eve to make those translations possible. Praise God for that. Praise God. We, uh, we've been blessed this past year with an extremely healthy transition. If you think about how unique that is to go, hey, we're going to take a founding pastor. He's going to step out of that role as lead pastor and take a different role, but remain on staff without division and without weirdness. Just, uh, we've just been blessed. Number one, that speaks to Mike's humility. It also speaks to, I think, the spirit of God at work on our staff team and in our family here. So, so blessed. 35, 35 of you went through the perspectives course this year and had your minds expanded and blown, if you would, for God's heart for the nations. We're still seeing the fruit bore out from that come to fruition in our midst. We've been blessed as a family financially in such a way that the five-year loan that we took out to develop this community center is on track to be paid off a year and a half early. We're just so excited. Praise God. That is God's faithfulness. It's His generosity demonstrated through, through you. So thank you, family. Thinking about our children's ministry, in just the past two weeks, Kim and, and the children's ministry team have been pouring into our children's ministry team to, to build into them ways that they can learn to grow to serve those youth who are in our, our kids in our midst who come from uh, maybe traumatic backgrounds. Because we have so many of you who are fostering and seeking to adopt and serve kids who come from hard places. What a blessing it is that they are trained and equipped in that way. I think about our youth ministry. I think about David and his youth ministry team, and they're developing what's called LITs. If you don't know what that is, I'll tell you. It's called Leaders in Training. And, and David and his team have a passion for taking the next generation and developing them into leaders early on and entrusting them with much. And you will begin to see the fruit of that. We already saw that this last month. Uh, as elders, we invite, we have a, a once a month dinner, and we invite people to have dinner with us and hear from them and pray for them. And so we had about a handful of these LITs from high school come and, and share with us just to hear from them, listen to them, and pray for them. I'm telling you, it was massively massively encouraging what God is doing in our youth. So look for them to continue to, to see the kingdom come and God's will be done. I think about the multitudes of ways that you are serving and blessing this community. I think about, I think I mentioned before, like the seed of hope. There's like five of you on the board of directors. There's another whole host of you seeking to serve these women who find themselves in, in, in unplanned pregnancies. I think about Habitat for Humanity and those who are serving in leadership there are serving behind the scenes and, and helping build homes for those who don't have them. I think about Family Promise and those of you who are serving those who, who don't have homes in that program and organization. I think about Jackson Crossings and the work that's being done down in Jackson. I think about some of the women that, that are our sisters in Christ who are in the context of the school district seeking to serve and love uh, here in, in the West Bend School District throughout the, the county, or throughout our community anyway. Um, one of the things that, that I've been also excited that we get to watch is... Um, globally, we get to see the story of our sister Sally, right? We've been tracking through Sally. Sally is the first uh, Chadian um, believer, follower of Jesus in the city. 
And we've been tracking with her story throughout the book of Acts this summer. We went and revisited her story. Now, I got, a, I got an update just two days ago. And I was like, Mike and I talked about it. Like, we ha- I got to read this. Okay? If you're new or visiting with us here this morning, Sally, you have to understand she, again, first follower of Jesus in her entire big city. And she has undergone persecution upon persecution, threat upon threat. The idea is, is that she is going to go before Sharia law. This is threatened regularly. And that she would have to go to the capital where she could potentially be killed for her faith. Okay? This update I got two days ago. The Sharia did not call her as they said they would on, sun, on Saturday. I think that's last Saturday. So she felt the Lord leading her to go anyway. But wait, there's more. She took her children with her before Sharia law. Obviously, the men were shocked by her boldness and questioned why she came. Her response was that she was ready to be taken to the capital. Naturally, this started a slew of questions. Why is she not afraid? What are her children doing here? Why won't she recant her faith in Jesus? And so Sally was gifted the opportunity to share deeply all that God has done for her and the depth of her persecution. She openly shared of her lack of food and water, but pointed out how healthy she and her children looked. She shared the truth about who Jesus is and why she follows him, that he suffered on earth, and so she too will suffer. She testified to his provisions and power over her. And what was her reaction to all this? Overwhelming surprise, intrigue, and a softening of their hearts towards her. Their demeanor changed. They openly admitted to her that her uncle had paid them $400 to threaten her and more money was coming if they were willing to continue. Unbeknownst to the uncle, he had paid a high price for Sally to have an audience to share the gospel with key religious leaders. Praise God. Family, we have so much to be rejoicing in what God is doing in our midst that we get front row seats too. Now having said that, I don't want to just mention the victories, okay? Because we all know that unless we're trying to put something on Facebook where we all look nice and, and perfect, that the reality of family is messier than that. I just recently came across a game called Awkward Family Photos. Have you heard of this game? Awkward Family Photos. Um, so now I want to give you a disclaimer before I show any of these. Some of them are just not appropriate, okay? I'm just telling you. You don't may want to show all of them to your children. But I found some of them that were... And I just wanted to show you what uh, some of these are like. Awkward family photos. Let's look at this first one. <laughs> so, you know, let's get the kids together. I'm going to get them together for a nice family photo. And there's Susie in the background. She is just screaming her face off, okay? Anyone who's got multiple children knows that's exactly how that works. Okay, awkward family photo. How about this next one? You know, just when you think... Just when you think... You got the photo ready to go. Everyone's got matching outfits on. And then you get pee pants. Okay? How about this, this last one here? You know, Junior just doesn't, he's just not quite as close to the rest of the family there. I, I show these things because here's the thing. When it comes to family, if we're really going to be family, we have to be honest. And not, and not everything's always rosy. Not everything's always, hey, this is going great. Okay, this past winter, we went through the book of Lamentations together, and there was just stuff that came out that we lamented as a family. Abuse that had happened. Loss. Pain. Abandonment. And we lamented. This stuff came out, okay? 
We've seen divorce. We've seen children go off the rails. We've been, we've been um, as elders, uh, called a couple times to pray for our brothers and sisters who were ill and lay hands on and, and ask for healing, and they weren't healed. And so as elders, we're wrestling through that. Come on, God. Just being honest. We believe He can do that. We've been, um, we've been praying that God would raise up uh, people here from our, our, from our West Bend community to help support uh, Dave and Kayla and Roger and Jen and the team in Hartford, and we haven't seen a lot of fruit from that yet. We're praying that God would do that. Just, we've been struggling with that a little bit. I know last year uh, I cast a vision. I had this dream that every one of us who's part of this family of faith would be not only being discipled by somebody else, but also discipling someone else. We're not, we're not there. We're not there, and I know it's a big dream. We, have, we are literally bursting at the seams with giftedness here in this room, in our community, a family of faith. And yet we haven't found a, a really good way to plug all those things where they need to be plugged in yet. I'm just being honest. We're working on that. It's been a struggle, but we're working on it. Some of us are angry with each other, maybe disconnected from one another or withdrawn from one another, maybe unreconciled. Some of you have maybe gone through a time where you've been in need and the family of faith hasn't been around you as we should have been. And so I just want to be real about that and confess that and say, hey, that's, it's been hard in that way. I don't, want you to, I don't want to share these things, though, so that we would feel ashamed because Jesus shamed shame on the cross. Okay? I'm not ashamed. But it's an opportunity for us to learn. To grow together so we can be authentic. We're not always going to get this right because we're not always going to fall through on our plans, but we want to follow the leading of our King and His plans. Because here's the good news. We can learn from these things. And we can trust that even in the midst of this mess, that God is working things out for His glory. He's working things out for His glory. Even if it doesn't make sense to us in the moment, God's kingdom is forcefully advancing in spite of us. And we just get to come alongside what he is doing humbly. And that's what I see as we look back. Many things to celebrate, many things to learn from and grow from. So John the Baptist looked back, we just look back. I want to look ahead a little bit as well. See, this past year I asked our elders as we looked forward, I said, hey guys, can you, I, did, I bait and switched them a little bit. I said, no, you guys don't have this on your calendar now, but I'd love to have us every quarter take a morning and pray. Just take an extended time of prayer once a quarter. And last April, I said, hey, guys, I'd love to just take this time specifically and ask God, where do you feel like you're leading us as a family in, in the near future? And so we did that. We spent some time Saturday morning. We spent an extended time in prayer individually and then collectively. And there were sticky notes everywhere trying to synthesize where we feel like God is leading us. And uh, so we came up with some things. And I, I don't, initiatives are probably not the right word, but I'm just going to use that. Just things that God has put on our hearts that we're going to be working towards. And so I want to walk through them with you. The first one is this one. Um, prayer. We believe that we have to continue to lean into and be a people who are seeking God, listening to Him and having Him guide us together. Okay, that's an initiative. We've got to find ways to continue to help equip you as our family to do that, to be in prayer and to hear from God. Second one. We, need to, we talk about family. We need to increasingly find ways to experience true family here in our midst. And so we're going to be working on praying through how does that look? What does that look like? And, and trying to see where God leads us. Next one. We also want to unleash the family. That means that we want to unleash you in the ways that you're gifted here in our midst in the community and globally as well. Because some, some of you are, are, are sitting on, to some extent, a gold mine of giftedness that we haven't quite tapped into yet. Next one. 
sacrificial, all of life living. We believe that Jesus has called us to that. Not just kind of like one hour a week. How do we, as a body, increasingly give all of our lives to Jesus? This is something we're going to be praying through and saying, how do we do this? Next, discipleship and leadership development. You heard me talk about that at at our youth level. We want to continue to do that and do that better increasingly uh, at the adult level as well. Um, And and, and Steve Farina and some of the other folks on our team are going to be helping me help us figure out what that continues to look like. Uh, Next one, living on mission locally. Okay, when we think about living on mission, it's not just overseas, it's also locally. How do we help equip and empower you and inspire you to that in Christ here locally? And then lastly, but not leastly, living on mission globally. So these are some of the things that we're going to be praying through as elders regularly, and you're going to hopefully see some of the fruit that comes out of that. Now, um, one of the things that should should not surprise you, you should be like, whoa, that's mind-blowing. That's all crazy stuff, Troy. I hope that doesn't sound mind-blowing crazy because it's not that different. From, it shouldn't be any different from what we've been doing the last 14 years. Mike, I'm, as you look at that, I, I know that you've seen this, but I, I'm, I know that this is where we've been headed. This is where we're going to continue to head. Nothing new under the sun, if you would, but we want to continue to focus on these areas. What I can tell you is this. The one thing I'm confident of is that where we are being led is not a place of our comfort. Okay? Where we are being led will be uncomfortable for the sake of the kingdom. Okay? One of the, one of the greatest examples of that that we've seen that I want to share a little bit about this morning is that um, this past year something significant happened, and that is that one of our, our own, a couple, um, decided that instead of retire, because they were at that stage where they could retire, instead of retire, they're going to sell everything. They're going to learn a new language. They're going to move to the other side of the world so that those who are there who have little to no access to the gospel can, can hear the good news of Jesus. And if you're new here or if, and you haven't been around since maybe February, you may not even know who these folks are. Kurt and Kim. Kurt and Kim are a huge part of our family here. They have been uh, with us for years. Uh, Kurt was one of our elders. Kim helped, uh, they both helped lead a missional community at our Jackson site. Uh, Kim was part of our women's ministry oversight as well as children's ministry support in Jackson. And they have, they have, in February, we were able to be blessed to send them out to southern Russia so that the good news of the gospel could go there. And guess what? Because of their visa situation, they had to come back and they happened to be here with us this morning. And so we're going to have them come up. Can we give them a warm welcome home? Can we give them a warm welcome home? have stools for you if you'd like them. Does that work or do you want to stand? We're going to be here for a long time. You better sit down. No, I'm just just kidding. Um, I got some notes here. Kurt, I'm going to give you the mic first. Uh, Kurt, I need you to be honest. Was Was it the leadership transition threatened that you left? I mean, was it that you knew and you're like, we got to get out of here? Um, just, just no, no. But like, for those who maybe aren't here or weren't here and haven't even known you guys, tell us why in the world would you move to southern Russia? Can you talk us through that? I can try. Uh, first of all, I just want to say that this is not Kim and my favorite thing to be doing. So Kim leaned over to me and said, I hate this. I hate this. <laughs> so, but for the, the sake record. of the gospel, we're calling people to be uncomfortable. <laughs> Thanks for modeling that in so many ways. 
<coughs> so many ways. So, um, yeah, <coughs> we came. I, I have notes here about my timeline, so I don't forget. Hold this up there. What they are. There you go. Um, we came to Wisconsin in 2010 <coughs> for job change. And we got in, plugged into this church in 2011, I think, thereabout, um, and, and became active. And it was in uh, 2014 that we started um, <coughs> learning about the caucuses. Uh, I don't think I knew where they were, that they even existed five years ago. <coughs> so we thought we came to Wisconsin because of a job. Um, one that I've been working in for 30 years, but it was clear um, <clears throat> that God had other, other plans for us. In, um, I think, around 2014, we started praying. Uh, we beca we <clears throat> became part of the missions team here at Kettlebrook. And for two or three years in a row, we started praying for the 46-plus different peoples of the caucuses, unreached people groups. In 2015, we went with an, another couple to a conference on the caucuses, and it was after that, at the end of that conference, that we, um, God called each one of us separately <clears throat> to kind of put our yes on the table that <clears throat> if, if he would open doors, we would walk through them. And I was glad to hear you talk about perspectives because uh, along in there somewhere we took that <clears throat> class as well and um, just uh, cemented in our heart that there were not too many people going to this part of the world. It's a very difficult part of the world to share the gospel in, <clears throat> but if God would open the doors, we would because nobody, frankly, was going. <clears throat> I think it was also in 2015 that Kim went and helped out with uh, English as a second language school. And she came back excited about the people that she met there and the warmth um, that she encountered. So in 20, <clears throat> 2016, we sold our house <clears throat> and bought a condo, thinking we'd keep the condo long-term here in this area. Um, but, but a year later, we... God led us to sell the condo, <laughs> so, <clears throat> and we helped invest in some property in Michigan with our, with our children, our family. Um, all this was in preparation of getting ready to go overseas, uh, and we went back to that conference in 2017, <clears throat> uh, this time to look for a sending organization, which we found. They really have helped to equip us. As many of you know, last year, 2018, um, <clears throat> as we started, as we, as uh, Troy said, we kind of sold everything and we went to some training. Most of last year, um, to get us ready to go overseas to start learning Russian, because uh, we didn't know what the heck we were getting ourselves into. And I would say, um, <clears throat> since the fall of 2016. Uh, when we went to our candidate school, <clears throat> we've been kind of walking. We, we haven't been able to see very far ahead as far as what God is doing and le where he's leading. But um, as we see, we, we go ahead as far as we can see. And that's a quote by Dawson Trotman. So in summary, I would say um, we're there because we saw a need. We felt like no one else was going uh, to that particular area of the world. And we were able to go. So 
uh, God opened the doors. Uh, even as I was praying that he wouldn't, uh, he, he opened the doors and provided a way for us to get there, and, and here we are. We're there. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, Kim, one of my favorite stories about Kim is that when Kim was one of our directors, she would be part of our staff meetings, and um, she would have her phone in her purse. I knew you were going to talk about that. Did you know that? <laughs> Okay, so she would have her phone in her purse, and we'd be in the middle of a meeting, and it would go off and start ringing, and she'd be like, oh, darn. She's like, well, that'll be done in a few minutes. And so it would just keep ringing, and we're like, no, really, Kim, you can set it so that it, you can just hit the button, and it'll turn right the ringer off. She's like, I can't access it. It's in my purse. <laughs> and so, or, you know, just whatever we do, give her such a hard time about that. Sorry. Now, I don't know if where you, you know, there's that kind of technology that you have to deal with some of that stuff where you're at now. But tell us, Kim, what is, what is, uh, what is it? Sorry. It's I'm okay. Sorry. It's no problem. <laughs> no. <laughs> tell us what your days are looking like. Tell us what your days are looking like. I am technologically like. challenged. That's for sure. Um, what our days look like. Our first priority, and I was glad to see that first on your list there, is to spend time getting to know God, to, to spend time with him in prayer and in his word and, and um, seeking him. And because it doesn't matter what else we do, if that isn't first, then we don't have a power source. We don't have a reason for doing what we do. Um, and then our, our job right now is language learning which is fun at 62 and um, what we've been doing is uh, about 16 hours a week four days a week four hours a day uh, with a with a tutor and then we spend some time studying at night if we're able to stay awake and then um, going can we can we test you on that like can we like can you can you say something in Russian so that we can see and I'll try to translate for you. Dobre utra. Dobre utra. Your, your mother is a hamster and your father smells of elderberries? Wow. Is that, is that what That's it was? That's exactly right. Good okay. job. Okay, thank you. I've been working on it. I've been working on it. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> oh, good morning. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. No problem. <laughs> um, then we try to use what little language we have and practice it as we go about our the rest of our days uh, it takes longer to do various things like grocery shopping and going to the the big markets and so we try to visit people that we've met and who remember us and um, use our baby Russian and Google Translate to have conversations and um, yeah try to make that a, a priority to visit with people when we do the stuff that we normally do anyway. For example, uh, in, in one of the marketplaces, there's a little store, uh, just a little clothing store, huge marketplace, and I met a woman named Patya who um, used to be a teacher of Russian literature. And so immediately we had something in common because I was an English teacher, and so uh, we could... We could share that anyway. And I do try to go and see her. It's a little jaunt to go see her, but I, I try to talk with her because she doesn't speak any English, and so that's good for me. Um, so that's just one example of a person. And, yeah, that's how we spend our days. Developing connections, relationships. Yeah. Um, I, I think one of the questions we have for you guys is what have been the challenges 
I know, uh, Kurt, for you, probably one of the challenges is six foot four man using squatty potties. Um, <clears throat> but besides that, uh, <laughs> right? Really, we're going to go there? Well, <laughs> tell me that's not a challenge. <laughs> well, it would be, but you know, God has um, <clears throat> blessed me in not having to use one so you far. You haven't had to use one? No. Okay. Since we've been there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So probably our largest challenge is just what we've talked about is learning the language. Um, I think all the other challenges uh, stem from that. We're, we're there because we were led to go in a place where uh, people have not heard the gospel and they have no way to find, hear the gospel. Um, <clears throat> and our hearts were drawn to that area so that we could live among them and be able to share, um, <clears throat> share that story. And so without the language, um, <clears throat> it's hard for us to develop um, relationships, hard for us to go deep into conversations. And, and as one of you two said, um, it's at 62, our energy level is lower than when we were in our 20s. And it's just, <clears throat> it's hard work putting a new language in your head. And then right now, the current <clears throat> um, challenge we're going through is we're here, as you said, um, changing out our visa. And we, we have a registered business. The Russian government won't get us, give us a three-year multi-entry visa. So we're, it looks like we're going to go back on a 90-day visa. Uh, we're, we're back to that <clears throat> not seeing very far ahead. We go ahead as far as we can see. Um, <clears throat> so we're hoping to convert that. We prayed last night um, for the, the God would bless us with a three-year, but we're hoping for at least a one-year visa. So, so really, language and relationship development is, are the challenges. Okay. And I'm assuming then those came would be the prayer requests. But what, what else? Two of them, yeah. yeah. I would say uh, language learning and um, wisdom in developing the relationships that we have made and how to, how to understand and honor and read the culture. Um, for example... Because Mike and Caro there and lived in our future apartment, they got to know some people who have a business nearby, and we were invited into, uh, I guess you use the word oikos, the family friend group of these people, and um, we're just really encouraged by that and see that as the way that we should head in getting to know those people. And, you know, as always, you can pray for that our relationship with God would be central uh, to everything else. I don't know if I have anything. Yeah, that's it. Awesome. Well, we love you, yeah, and uh, we're blessed by your leadership in so many ways. Um, can we pray? Can we pray for Kurt and Kim? Um, they're only here till Tuesday, and they'll be taken off. Um, Father, we are so grateful for our brother and sister and the work that you are doing in them and through them. Father, as they uh, go back, we pray that, first and foremost, that they would be on their knees connecting with you, filled with your spirit, uh, anew each day, that they would um, experience the power of the gospel in their own hearts and lives every single day, being reminded of who they are because of your son Jesus as they walk out into very uh, uncharted territories, being able to see not far in front of them. Father, we thank you as they inspire us to do the same here locally, uh, that you continue to call each of us in a similar way to bring good news where it is not, to be light where there is darkness, to be salt where there needs um, to be preserved. 
Father, uh, I pray for language learning. I pray that their minds would be uh, elastic, um, that they would be able to absorb quickly a tongue that would speak to the hearts of those that they are speaking with and, most importantly, listening to. They'd be able to hear well, give them ears. And, Father, as they go, we pray for, uh, I know Kurt has done a ton of work to have the business uh, up and running and the visas are moving forward. But, Lord, we pray for this long-term, these long-term visas to come through so that we continue to have presence and unfold your purposes as uh, you lay them on their hearts. So, Father, we thank you for them. We are so grateful. We pray this in Christ's name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Thank you guys again so much. So much. Thanks, Kurt. Appreciate it, brother. So we have a thing at Kettlebrook. It's part of who we are. And that is that we, we can't gather without opening this up. So please, grab with me. We're going to open up to John chapter 10. I know you're thinking, wait a minute, Troy, you're going to start preaching now? Um, this is going to be very brief, uh, but I want to share something with you. John chapter 10 is on page 760 in the Brown Bibles under your chairs. And to give you context, John is the go- one of the Gospels of the accounts of the life of Jesus. And last uh, April, I was in the garden. I was planting the garden. I was listening to a message by Professor Don Carson, was one of the professors where I used to, uh, where I went to seminary. And, and he, had a, he had an hour-long message on Lazarus. I was planting the garden. In the middle of that message, there was a three-minute thing. This is a side-note comment that he made about John the Baptist that I have been literally thinking about ever since that I want to share with you this morning. It only took him three minutes. I'm going to try to get through it about the same time. Now, we learned earlier that John the Baptist was unique. He, he looked back. He looked forward, prepared the way for Jesus. wasn't worthy to untie his sandals. you know what Jesus said about John the Baptist? Here's what he said. Jesus said this. I tell you the truth. Among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't you feel pretty honored if Jesus said to you, here's the greatest man who's ever lived? That's what he said about John the Baptist. Why did he say that about John the Baptist? Because John the Baptist had one job and one job alone, and that was to point to Jesus. Jesus is like, this guy's the greatest guy who's ever lived because he points to me. Which may sound arrogant, but only Jesus can say that. And John the Baptist said this uh, about Jesus in John chapter 3, his next one, he must become greater, I must become less. So I wanted to give you that context before we read these three verses. John chapter 10, verse 40 through 42. God, I pray that you would uh, take this very brief text and sear it into our hearts as a family. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. Here he stayed and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a miraculous sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. I'm going to read it again. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. Here he stayed and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a miraculous sign, all that John said about this man was true. In that place, many believed in Jesus. Brothers and sisters, if you want to know where we're headed, I don't know if we have to look a lot farther than these verses right here. Is God going to perform miraculous signs among us? I hope so. I pray that he does. 
But John the Baptist, who was, according to Jesus Christ, the, the best, the greatest man who ever lived, never did anything miraculous. But everything that he said about Jesus was true. Everything he said about Jesus was true. Kettlebrook, if this could be who we are, if this could be what we are known for, that we would speak of Jesus, that we would point ourselves, one another, and others to Jesus, that, that we would speak of Him, that what we would say about Him would be true and that our lives would reflect that truth. And that we would give Him glory in our successes and we would trust Him in our insufficiencies, trusting in His sufficiency. And, and may that be the case. And if it would, would, would He become greater and we would become less? If you want to know where we're headed, that's where we're headed. That He may become greater and we may become less. And then, by God's will, just like verse 42, perhaps in this place, perhaps in our cities, many others would come to believe in Him. This is where we're headed. So here's what we're going to do next. We're going to respond to this by looking, um, by looking back and looking ahead. We're going to re- respond by going to a table that causes us to look back and to look ahead. It's a table that causes us to look back because it's a table that causes us to look back at the event that made it so that you and I could have sins forgiven, our sins forgiven. And it's a table that causes us to look ahead because Jesus called and told his disciples, he says, I tell you the truth, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine again until I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Because he looks ahead, because he went ahead to prepare a place that he bought a seat at the table for those who trust in him and surrender to him at this feast. We have a place. So here's the deal. If you're here today, regardless of your church background, and if you believe that it is only because of Jesus that you are made right with God, that it is not because of your goodness or how good you are, it's because of Jesus and how good He is that makes you right with God the Father, then regardless of your church background, we would invite you to partake with us in the bread and the cup. If that's not where you're at, we we, we would be... Just, just want to say, hey, that's not where you're at. That's okay. We're glad you're here with, with us. We don't want to go through the motions. None of us really want to be going through the motions on this. But before, before this, either, either way, before you either don't or do go to the table, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a minute and I want you to reflect. We're going to have some instrumental. And I want you to answer two questions. Looking back, what is one way that you have seen God at work in your own heart and life? Maybe in this last year. And looking ahead, what is one step you can take to become less and for Jesus to become greater in your life? Before we go to the table, I want us to spend some time thinking about and answering these questions. Bringing those things of gratitude and commitment to the table when we go. So we're going to give it a couple minutes, let you do this. And then I invite you to one of the five tables throughout the gathering space. Don't forget we've got three in the back. Um, have you take the bread and the cup and bring them back to your seats. And then once everyone who's had a chance to do that, that wants to do that, we'll do that. We'll come back up and we'll share the bread and the cup together. So I'm going to pray and then give you some time to reflect. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are so grateful 
that we can come to this table and be reminded that we can come to this table and look back and as we look we see your son upon a cross Father as we look ahead we see continued change continued freedom in our own lives as the kingdom comes here on earth and your will is done here on earth as it is in heaven Father, I don't, I don't know what you have in store for us as a community, miraculously. But the greatest work that you've done, the greatest miracle that you've ever done, is you sent your son to the cross. And then he raised from the dead. Dying a death for us, giving us life. And I pray, Father, that like John the Baptist, if nothing else, everything that we say about him would be true. us to reflect, Father. Let us hear from you.